From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 60. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well. And, of course, the wonderful Mr. Federico Vitici. Oh, buonasera, boys. Ah, si, si. That's all I have you. That's all you can say. Hi, Mike, how are you? I know very little Italian. Um, what was it? Uh, Al dente mucho? Was it? What were we doing last week? Al dente mucho. You're mixing up Spanish and Italian again. <sighs> so so similar though. Was it al dente? Al dente. Just that's okay. No, no, no. There was molto. Molto al dente means very molto much. Dente. Molto. Molto means very. Yeah, very al dente much. very much. Yeah, that was last week, Mike. Talking about Italian and Spanish, um, mm. Chris Wilson, and Chris is a is a, a man of many languages. Um, he pokes at me uh, every time, every now and then to ask me how I'm getting along with learning Romanian, which is not going very well at all, Chris, I'll tell you right now. But uh, he loved your Spanish, Federico. Um, oh, yeah? Yep. And I'm he said happy. that recently he gave an Italian directions in Spanish, I assume accidentally, uh-huh. um, and wondered if you would be up for trying to improvise another language like Polish. Let's do this. I'm going to Google Translate. Okay. What should, what should I say? Uh, say uh, thank you, Chris. Let's see. We'll go with that. Thank you. Oh man, this is difficult. Yeah. Um. There's a signs on on the letters. I'm just, not sure what they just mean. Just go for it, man. Um, just say it how um, it looks. Zekuya, Krisa. Perfect. You probably didn't just, need to translate Chris into another language. Oh, no, no, I work Chris. Uh, apparently, the, the Chris's <laughs> of the world are known as, as Chrisas in, in Poland, you know? It's like a whole different thing. It's like a whole different name. You, you Your name is Chris, well, you become Chrisa in, in, in Poland. That's how they roll. You know how sometimes on the show, one of us will veto something the other two are doing? I veto mm-hmm. any more Federico learns foreign languages on the air. <laughs> Are you sure? This could be a whole new section. I mean, there's. Uh, That's there's what I'm a, worried how many, about. <laughs> how many countries? Are, how many countries are there in the world? We should we should have CGP here right now to tell us how many languages we can we can try to improvise on the show. It's, if you would like Federico to read a sentence in your language, please tweet no. at Stephen. That's I S M H on Twitter, and he will field all of these suggestions for a later episode. Uh, yeah, but people show. should also provide the sentence. You know, it's yeah. not like every time I'm supposed to say thank you. The sentence and the language, and yeah. at some point in the future, we'll do a special episode entirely devoted to Federico reading um, other languages. This is how we connect the world together. That's what this show is all about. And mm-hmm. we connect the world together through Federico's attempts at speaking. Stephen, please take follow-up back from me. Uh, forever after that. So <laughs> thank you thank you in advance for what you've done to my Twitter mentions. <laughs> so this is getting you back for something you did to me many, many years ago. So oh, me and Stephen used to have a podcast together called the 512 Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think I wasn't on an episode. Like I was on holiday and somebody filled in for me. I think that was how it went. And what did you say? Something about uh, you came up with this crazy recipe for how I like to eat hot dogs and then told people that they should send me their own recipes for hot dogs. And for a week, all I got was just people telling me how they eat hot dogs. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty great. So this is in return. That's a uh, long game you've been playing. Yeah, I've been waiting for the day. (laughs) Four years. You know what? You know what, Mike? Helvete. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. Do you remember the PewDiePie video cursing in, in, in oh, Finnish? Yeah. What was, what, oh, yeah. What was no, that? What's that in Swedish? Or I don't remember. What was Alvete? I don't know. I don't think... It, I think it was just hell. We'll put a link yeah. in the show notes to this because <laughs> so few people are going to know what we're talking about. Please, Stephen, just do something yeah, about this. You're fired from fi- follow-up. <laughs> uh, we have some more on... 3D Touch, and uh, this is something that I, I meant to talk about last week, but uh, but we didn't. Uh, Devin on Twitter asks about the settings app and why it doesn't have uh, quick actions uh, to things like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or Hotspot. Now, the obvious answer is that Control Center exists, right? So, uh, if you slide Control Center up, you can do things like turn Wi-Fi off, turn Bluetooth on and off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think that it, while it would be nice for settings to have some quick actions, or you could you could maybe you know turn some common things on or off, uh, I see that they don't want to compete with Control Center. But the 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 other thought I had was, do you the, like how do you guys feel about Control Center now? Like to me, Control Center fe- feels sort of old fashioned, sort of out of date now in this world of 3D Touch. Hmm. It works great on the iPhone six. I'll tell you that. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely works great, uh, but I I think that 3D Touch should have brought about some change to Control Center. Um, I, you know, like maybe you could long press on something and it could give you an option. Uh, I think you know, uh, you know, I think as well. Looking looking back at it, like I don't know if calculator and timer need to live there. Um, yeah. I do. I use it quite a bit, right? I use it a lot. Um, it's just part of iOS that is normal to me. Like I use it to turn on Wi-Fi and airplane mode. I use it to turn on the flashlight. I use it to re- resume um, uh, audio and stuff like that. But I think yeah. it could. It, I think it, it's due a bit of a, a rethink, not d- dramatically, but there could be some some different things done there. And I think that it should definitely be 3D Touch enabled in some way to do something yeah. cool. Yeah, I yeah. often wish that Apple allowed us to customize Control Center to kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, choose the, the, the toggles that you want to put in there. Um, there's a friend of mine uh, here. He always asks me, uh, you should write on the website that uh, I want to be able to uh, turn off my cellular data from Control Center. I don't know why he thinks that I, I have this kind of power, uh, but did. it's been on my wish list for, for like two years. I definitely hope that with iOS 10, we'll, we'll get a customizable Control Center, maybe with a new design. I don't know. So like even just now, like I imagine you could uh, you could... Uh, 3D touch Wi-Fi and choose network. You know, you could 3D touch the airplane mode and turn off cellular like your friend would yeah. like. You know, there there are things you could do there. Or like, why can't you 3D touch the camera icon to get what happens when you 3D touch the home screen camera icon? Um, mm-hmm. It just I mean, feels yeah, like something that was kind of maybe like forgotten about <laughs> when, when they were putting this in there. <laughs> just like, yeah, oh yeah, that thing's there. Um, so I don't know. I, I agree. I think your suggestions are really good. And you know, I'm not so doesn't it go away? But you know, I think it's due for for an overhaul. Um, no, I don't want it to go away either. I I like yeah. it and use it, but I, I agree. I think there could be a little bit more. more. Yeah, I mean, even if it was just like Apple presented you with a list of things, like you couldn't put whatever app you wanted in there. Um, but that would be really nice to do. I think so. Yep. We um, we also have a, a tweet about 3D Touch from Timber Koalising, uh oh. that. Uh, he was trolled into 3D touching with his nose. So, can koalas even use their giant nose to 3D touch icons? It's kind of like you gotta have the six 
S plus, you got to have a big phone to do it. But um, mm. so that's happening. So uh, so Mike is still making people do things with their noses that's that are as uh, weird and strange. Even animals, Mike. It's the kind of pull that I have. Mm-hmm. You should mm. be proud of yourself, Mike. I'm very proud. Uh, lastly, in follow up, we were speaking about the Apple TV Universal Search, and it, at least my understanding uh, from the event was that it was a program that Apple had to opt you into. At least that's what we had theorized. Uh, but the article came out over the weekend. Um, there was a, an interview with Tim Cook at on BuzzFeed, and it basically says that that is going to be a API. So if you have a app with content in it, you can basically opt in to be part of that universal search, like Spotlight Search now on iOS nine, which I think is great. I think it's, uh, I think it's good that other people can opt into this because just having the the select few of what was it? It was iTunes, Netflix, Hulu, Showtime, and HBO. Like that's fine, but there's a lot more content out there, and I think it's good to have more people show up in those results. So, yeah, that will be team. a good thing. That will definitely be a good thing. It's a needed thing. If you you know. I want to be able to see YouTube videos when I'm doing these searches. Um, yep. You know, I, I want to be able to see videos on Amazon Prime if that ever comes about. Who knows what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, all that kind of... That's, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see. I, I, I don't want this to be so locked down that it's like Apple's approved parties. It doesn't, right. doesn't work for and me. There's, you know, there's always this this tension on Apple's platforms of you have things that are blessed by Apple, and you have things that are not blessed by Apple. So on the iPhone, you've got, for instance, apps you can't delete, or things like Control Center that it only does what Apple says it can do. And um, and on the Apple TV, it's gone even further, right? The, the current Apple TV uh, is not even open, right? You've got to go and make a deal with Apple, and you get to build a really shady yeah. app. and Like CarPlay, right? Same kind right, of deal. Right, exactly. Another great example. And, and that's... Like, I understand why things are that way, right? Apple... Uh, wants to control the experience. They want to make sure that everything is as high quality as possible, blah, blah, blah. But this open API for search, I think, is is a step in the right direction for something like the Apple TV. Whereas, you know what, like, the more content on the Apple TV, like, the more valuable it becomes to me. And the easier it is to to get around it and to use it, the more likely I will be to uh, keep using the device and upgrade mm-hmm. again, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's a good move and one that I'm I'm happy about. I'm still planning on buying an Apple TV. The Roku four was announced or released or something this morning and it looks really interesting, but I'm still gonna uh hold the course and, and upgrade my Apple TV uh later this month. Yeah, the only way this works as a thing is that you've got to be able to put all of your stuff in it. Like and watch all of your stuff on it. Like if mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of want it to be the only box, right? Exactly. And this this lets it do that in a more seamless way. So I think it I think it's good. It's a good move. Cool. Um, there were some new watch ads put out today. Uh, short ads. I think they're about twenty seconds each. I think there's six of them in total. Is that right? Yep. yep. Um, uh, what do what do you guys think of them? They're very cool. They're yep. kind of hip. You know, they're kind of they trying are. to play for a new generation of customers. Maybe. I think this is Apple's new style. Right, like the, yeah. the the iPhone ad is very cool too, right? It's like fun and hey, look at us guys. Oh, we're crazy. Come on, haha, jokes at us. Yeah. Like 
and it's that kind of style, which I really like. And I love these ads for that reason. I like that kind of uh, lighthearted, we poke fun at ourselves and do silly things and there's funny music and pastel colours and people do it. People people that look interesting. Like I like all of that stuff. Yeah. I can see why, though, people wouldn't like these. Yeah, maybe I guess the old uh, commercials were made for uh, people like my mother and maybe these new ones are for like teenagers and younger people who want to know why the watch is cool yeah. and why they need one. The older ones showing like family, babies, you know, staying in touch, using apps as a tourist. Those are maybe for uh, another generation of customers. These ones are for like the 17 year old or the 20 year old guy who wants to buy a watch and doesn't know why. Yep. I guess it makes sense. When I look at these ads as well, it makes me think of the iPod ads, just because they're very stylized in a, in an interesting way, and it's focused completely on the individual, which was how the iPod ads were, right? They they were focused on the person, um, and I know that these are more so like it's not like a silhouette, but I look at them and think that they they really do feel that way. They have a flavor of the old iPod ad. Yeah, probably. Although there isn't the the iconic white uh, earbuds, you know. No, and and I think that that is a um, a choice, isn't it? Like that they want because the watch can't be iconic because it's so customizable. Yeah, true. There is no like, there's no canonical watch design. Yeah. So I think I think they do a good job too, as the chat room points out, with the diversity in the ads. There's a bunch of different people from different parts of the world, uh, men and yep. women. I think it's I think it's nice. It's um, I agree with you guys. They're they're fun. They're um, you know, just a little. Little stories, which I think is nice too. Like, um, you know, it's, they're real short, but you get, you know, something about the Apple Watch out of each one. It's something different out of each one. So I think I think they're really effective. Uh, uh, thumbs up on the the new the new ads for me. But as I say again, I can see why people will hate them. Sure. Like you know, you can just see it, right? Um, Apple advertising is divisive, and when they take a, a specific like tone like this, it becomes even more so. Uh, but I think the people that won't like it are the people that Apple aren't trying to attract anyway. I think that's fair. Yeah. Not that it's wrong, right? But I just feel like they're going for a very specific age group, and you know, I, and, and I think outside of that age group, it maybe doesn't hit, it doesn't land as well. But yeah. I love them. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely the kind of mic commercial that it you like is, you know, all actually. these crazy colors yeah i could picture you driving on a vespa in a landscape of pastel colors mike it's a dream of mine federico but you don't drive so <laughs> nope. you know that's why it's all a dream yeah this week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. With lynda.com, you'll be able to watch fantastically produced courses on any device that you own. So you can watch them on your laptop, your PC, your Android or iOS device. You can even download them to your mobile devices using the 
Lynda.com app. And what you'll get is a bunch of fantastic videos that can help you learn new things. Maybe you're looking to learn how to get into iPhone development and you want to learn Swift or you want to learn the design stuff. Um, you want to learn Photoshop and Illustrator to help you with it all. And then once you've had a really successful app that's come out because of the great courses you've learned at Lynda.com, maybe you want to turn to Android so you can learn that at Lynda.com. Then you want to make it a business so you can learn how to create a business and learn all of the stuff that you're going to need like bootstrap in and then having like a t income tax stuff and maybe you want to learn body language so you're really great in that new negotiation deal this is what lynda.com can give you it has everything it is for people that are curious for people that want to solve problems and people that want to make things happen their courses are made by absolute professionals who are really really great at what they do you can watch the courses um, and follow along with the transcripts that they have when you're streaming them so you can see what's being said and you can even jump around and search for them and search within them and go to like directly to that part in the video that the transcript is talking about yourlinda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate whether you're looking Looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. Sign up for your free 10-day trial and help support this show. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected and Relay FM. So, Federico, today, mm. was, I believe, you reserved um, an iPhone. I woke up. And my girlfriend brought me a piece of chocolate and an espresso. She's so good. Just look at that. And I didn't even drink the espresso. I wow. tapped the home button on my phone. I saw an email from a reader telling me that, uh, that the iPhone reservations opened a few hours uh, uh, before in Italy. I, I was in a state of, you know, wasn't basically half asleep. And I just went to the Apple website I typed in my details. I reserved an iPhone and then I proceeded with my with my breakfast. It was really fast, you know. I couldn't I couldn't pre-order uh, a six plus in the in the my local Apple store. It was only the iPhone six. Um, I needed to pick a time, so of course I picked noon because you know it's it's brutal to wake up at eight a.m. in the morning. Who does that? Um, so I'm going there Friday at noon. I got my reservation iPhone 6s, Space Gray, 64 gig. I'm going to use it and for a few weeks. Then I will probably give this to Sylvia uh, because she wants one. And then I will buy my own 6s Plus as soon okay. as, as it's available uh, at the Apple store. You just want to get your hands on the 3D Touch as yeah. soon as possible, right? And, it's, yeah. and yeah. it's Friday, isn't it, that they come out? It's Friday, so I got the whole weekend to set it up, you know, install my, my apps. It really my... does take a whole weekend now. Yeah, basically, because oh. I don't do the restore from backup. Um, <laughs> it's probably gonna take me less, you know, because I, I don't have, I won't have any issues with the with the backup like you guys. Well, um, you're gonna lose all your health data and stuff. You know that, right? I'm gonna use that, but I'm I'm used to it because I back it up in different places. You know, I sync it with LifeSum, so I, at least I get a subset of information saved somewhere else. Sure. But I gave up on the idea of a lifetime of health data because Apple doesn't let me do that, and I really want to start fresh. Why? Um, why I start fresh every mm -hmm. year? Yeah. Because I think the phone, the, the the OS experience is just better. It's cleaner. Uh, I get to decide again which apps I want to keep and which apps I, I can, you know, avoid installing. And I found that I don't run into issues with, like, uh, corrupt backups and that kind of stuff. All my information and data is in iCloud and other, like, Dropbox. 
So I, I don't really need the backup, you know. Uh, I just need to accept that I will lose my messages, which I don't care about because, you know, it's just messages. Um, all my photos are in iCloud. I just, I'm just going to lose my health data. But for me, uh, having a, a, a daily experience that is faster, cleaner, you know, no weird issues is more important than having like two years of health data. That's, I'm just not going to enjoy my iPhone if I experience like slowdowns, random crashes, reboots, you know, I just want to uh, diminish my chances of having issues. And that's why I do the clean install every year. Actually, I do it every year for each new device and each new public version of iOS. So I do it twice a year, basically. Call me crazy, but that's what I like. I, I mean, I understand it's like a personal preference thing. Like, so you know, my personal preference is not to do that. I, I just don't like going through and checking everything. And I it, actually it's just like it. <laughs> I get that. I to- do. You know, what? I can. T- knowing you as I do, I totally understand why you do this <laughs> because it just allows you to spring clean and rethink and like optimize which i know is something that you really really love to do so it makes yeah, perfect so sense i tweeted this a few days ago i actually like tweaking settings yeah. in my devices in my apps i like to just waste like two hours just playing around with settings looking around discovering stuff and many times uh this makes for interesting articles or like stuff that i can mention in the newsletter or teachy tips that i discover like it's it is part of my job to mess around with these things. So the clean install facilitates this kind of, you know, workflow, I guess, to just play around, see what's new, see all the settings, all the options. Uh, it, 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 I don't mind the process at all. Good. Good. Yeah. So I'm going there on Friday. Uh, got my reservation. Last year it was super easy. Uh, there was a separate line. Hopefully this year there won't be the screaming guy mm. who doesn't understand how lines work. Um, fingers crossed there won't be any accident of sorts. Uh, so yeah, Friday, finally. I mean, it's like, what, three weeks after the American launch? Two weeks? I don't know. Don't remember. Yeah, I think uh, after hearing the two of you guys talk about it, I'm going to reserve next year. Because, you know, this year like I'm waiting for the UPS guy to show up. And he doesn't show up till like 8 p.m. And I'm afraid I'm going to miss him. And... Uh, I think I'm just going to reserve and drive out to our store. It seems like everyone who does that has a, a much better experience than I have. So, I just like being in control. Like, wow, just, okay. In general, just in general. <laughs> that's, that's all I have uh-huh. to say. I, it, I was just thinking about that and thought I'd share it with you. Let's talk about carriers. The opposite of being in control. <laughs> well, I, I just I had an experience uh, la- last couple of weeks with a, with a carrier here, and I thought we could talk about carriers sort of in general a little mm. bit. So I've been a Verizon customer since uh, six years, six and a half years. Um, I actually it was actually before the Verizon iPhone came out because I carried a, a Android phone for about eight months, maybe a year, and then a. And then a uh, Palm Pre Plus, uh, rest in peace, WebOS. And uh, I switched to Verizon for a bunch of reasons that aren't important now, but I've had sort of increasingly bad service with them. And it sort of uh, hit uh, a peak a couple of weeks ago when I needed to call 911 from home and couldn't. 
and the, the call dropped twice, and then they called me back, and it dropped two more times before I finally got a hold of them. And uh, as you guys might imagine, I was... That is was, an unacceptable situation. <laughs> that's exactly what I told the Verizon phone rap. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... that's I, th- I don't think you can go further than that. Like, you know, that is as far as it goes. And and the the point of t- sharing the story is not to badmouth Verizon, because they actually handled the subsequent story very well. Yeah, you should say what they did. I, I think it would be interesting, because me and you were talking, um, and you said that you were going to call them and cancel, and it was, you know, a case of... There is no scenario in the world where they could charge you an early termination fee. And me and you were right. talking about how you would burn them down to the ground. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully it didn't come to that. So, yeah, so I called and I was like, hey, look, um, I actually spoke to them the week before and their only fix was for me to buy a network extender and put in my house that they were gonna, that they were not going to pay for, which, like, well, not not doing that. Um, and so, yeah, they took, it, they took it very seriously and they... Um, you know, we went through about a 24-hour period where their techs checked a couple of things in the neighborhood, and then basically they called me back and said, you know, this is not something that we can resolve for you. Um, you know, we understand if you want to port your numbers, we will waive your early t- termination fees. So I had, a, I had an ETF on each of our phone lines still, uh, which was like hundreds of dollars, and they, they waived that. They really took care of me. Yeah, which um, is the right really way to do job. it. Like, there's yeah. nothing they could do, like, that that person could do about the fact that the call dropped. Like other than this person coming to your house and installing a new telephone pole, right? Which is just, you know, it's not going to happen. So, like, this is, they dealt with it in the right way, I think. They just was like, it's up to you what you want to yeah. do. If you want to go, then that's totally fine. We'll yep. help you out with that. And and I think that, I think that any cell phone network or any carrier would do that. I mean, that's a pretty, um, uh, it's a pretty serious uh, issue. But, um, so I ended up taking both of our phones, both my 6S Plus and my wife's 5S, uh, to T-Mobile. And, you know, T-Mobile is a carrier here in the States that, depending on where you live, you have drastically different opinions of. Here in Memphis, it's all I can speak to. It's really, really good. And it's uh, a lot cheaper, and I'm contract-free because I brought my own phone, so I can leave at any time. Um, I am still interested in the Apple upgrade plan uh, next year. Um, you know, I'm going to kind of see how a year goes on T-Mobile and, and go from there. But I wanted to, to point people to a link that I found. This was a page that I wasn't aware of, uh, apple.com slash iPhone slash LTE. And as you may know, if you look at the bottom of the bottom of your phone on the back or if you go into settings, iPhones have a, a model number and they differ uh, from year to year. And they um uh, depending on what year uh, a phone may work on all the US carriers or only a couple of them. You know, these LTE bands are changing all the time and they're yep. they're adding new ones. Um, same thing overseas, right? It's it's a it's an ever shifting landscape. So th- this page will be in the show notes. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time looking at this page when I've considered buying phones in the US before. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so it's, it's if you're looking to to change at some point, I think it's a good thing to have bookmarked. Um, but Mike, you and I were talking about this, and you were saying that that you were contemplating a change as well. And I was I was curious to compare. You know, I'm doing this right in the middle of this transition here in the states of two year contracts to, uh, you pay the phone off and you're sort of, <laughs> it's not really a different thing, but it is sort of a different thing. Um, and I'm kind of doing the nerd dream of contract free. I own my phones, but you know, it's a transition here and we're in the middle of it and it's really messy right now. If you go in, you can like make a wrong decision and spend more money than you have to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was kind of curious how y'all's experience with carriers were and then Mike, maybe 
talk a little bit about what you were thinking about doing. Yeah, so I am currently at the end of the two-year agreement from when I got my iPhone 5S. So that's over now. So I'm out of contract, which is why I'm getting missed calls from numbers that I don't know a couple of times a day. Um, as it's, I assume is my carrier trying to contact me to get me to re-sign. Because my bill at the moment is quite expensive. It's £47 a month to my carrier, which is expensive for here even. Um, so what is that, like $60, $70 or something? And with that, I get unlimited calls and messages and 8 gigabytes of data. That, or it's either 8 or 10 gigabytes of data. That's what I'm currently getting. So I've been looking around because I've decided that I'm just going to, from now on, most likely just get phones out of contract where possible. So I'm yeah. looking for the best possible deal that I can find that also makes me unencumbered from a cell carrier. Like I, I don't want to be in a contract anymore. Um just where I can avoid that type of thing, I would like to do that. So it gives me more flexibility. So like if one year I can't afford to buy the phone outright, then I can jump straight into a contract and pick it up, right? Like that's because, you know, you as, as I've mentioned before, you can get phone like iPhones for free or for next to free um, in the UK on contracts when even when they're new. So I was looking around and I'm probably going to go with the Network 3 here in the UK. Um, they don't have the best uh, coverage in certain areas. So I've ordered the SIM and I'm going to try it out before I cancel my current. But the one, the reason that I've gone with three is it's, um, I'm, I think I'm paying 25, I will be paying 25 pounds a month um, on a 30 day rolling contract. So I'm not fixed in with them. I'm fixed in with them a month at a time, which is exactly what I want. Um, I get like 600 minutes, which I don't even care about, unlimited texts and unlimited data with eight gigabytes of hotspot. And that plan, that unlimited data will work abroad. So if I go to the US, I don't need a SIM anymore because my data will just work and it's all part of my plan. So they do a thing called, I think it's called three at home, or something like that, or feel at home. So that's one of the reasons. They have a bunch of countries in this, and the U.S. is one of them. So it it's kind of like a if, as long as I can get LTE and it's at least half the speed of my current, then I'll be happy with that, and I'll probably go with it just because it will significantly improve uh, my life as I'm traveling a lot more than I used to of having to try and buy sims and paying $80 a time to get data when I'm abroad. So that's probably what I'll go with. I've ordered the sim card and I want to see if it if the coverage is good. Um, and if it is, then I'm going to switch. Mm -hmm. Guys, you may be surprised by the fact that I don't do contracts. Not surprised. No, I always pay cash new devices i i mean i have a i have a pretty sweet deal with my carrier which isn't the one that used to you know catch on fire two years ago it's a new one um i have uh, they call it a package uh, basically i pay for dsl uh, at home and included it's uh there's a there's a sim card uh which gives me three gigabytes on my phone and uh, some hundreds of minutes and texts. I don't use, I don't call people. Uh, so I only care about the three gigabytes on the phone. Uh, then, so I never, you know, I don't use 4G much on my phone. Uh, so I rarely go over two gigabytes each month, which is good. Uh, but then on my iPad, I bought these offer from the same ISP. Um, 
basically it, what what isp is is it tim it's telecom italy and tim yeah it's basically yeah. the same one i love i love um, tim and i just love it says tim on the phone which makes me smile. yeah it always says <laughs> tim um <laughs> so you know and basically yeah. i get um 10 gigabytes of 4g each month on my ipad for basically 12 euros each month but because i'm also a customer at home with the dual dsl and iphone offer uh, those gigabytes on the ipad are doubled so i get 20 gigabytes of 4g lte on my ipad each month for 12 euros a month and so i i i never do contracts because i can always find these offers i love the coverage of team and telecom in rome and I like the feeling of walking into an Apple store and paying cash, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that, that deal, man, is crazy. Yeah. That's it's really a, it's crazy. a good, pretty good deal, you know? That's why I, and I don't like being constrained, you know, by, by contracts that you got to keep track of the, the months, how many, you know, how many months are you, are you forced to pay the contract? And usually you get, uh, you got to, an offer that is, you know, not as good as what you can get by paying, you know, for the device upfront and then and then finding one of these offers. So, yeah, I don't like contracts, guys. Nobody does. Nobody well, yeah, except but, Stephen. But I also I don't. don't I also don't do them. Besides not liking them. This is all yeah. about that control thing I was talking about a moment ago. Yeah. yeah, you should come live in Italy, Mike. I'll look into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know it's it's nice to have have options. You know, for so long, the iPhone was just on so few carriers. I mean, famously AT and T only here uh, for a long time. But it, as they've you know, I think LTE has been been a technology that has allowed them to to spread out, and it lets the carriers compete on crazy deals like like what you're doing, Federico. So it's it's nice to be able to pick these things up and and move them around as as you see fit over time. You're not locked into something for a decade. Um. I remember in the UK it started out on one carrier as well. I think the first two maybe were were just on O2 at the time, which was good because it was the carrier that I was already on. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was also locked here. I remember that. And they always launched the phones at 6.02 in the evening because branding. <laughs> All right, let's take a second break. Uh, and we've still got a bunch of stuff we want to talk about today. This episode is also brought to you by Arc. We all know that off-site backups are a critical part of a well-rounded backup strategy. Stephen has told us this many times. But if you want to have as much control over this process as possible, you need to check out Arc at arcbackup.com slash connected. That's A-R-Q-B-A-C-K-U-P dot com slash connected. Arc backs up all of your files on your Mac or PC, including all of the metadata attached to them. Everything is encrypted with a password that only you know before it ever leaves your computer, meaning your files are safe and secure in transit and on the remote servers. Arc stores your backed up data in your own cloud storage account, so you keep control of all of the data. You can leverage the extra space in your Google Drive, Dropbox, or OneDrive accounts for your encrypted backups, or backup directly to your AWS or Google Cloud storage account as well. These backups are versioned so you can go back in time and grab a file that's changed or has been deleted with ease. Stephen, I know that you are a, a very happy Arc customer. Yeah, absolutely. And and for the reasons you just talked about, that I can encrypt all the data on my machine, that only I have the keys, and that I can put it anywhere. So I use Amazon Cloud Drive, uh, which is uh, relatively new from Amazon. And, and what's nice about Arc is that they 
are always working on these new these new cloud systems that storage systems that come out to support them. So Amazon Cloud Drive was available and very quickly Arc uh, was supporting it. So it's it's nice to have again, like we're just talking about with the iPhone, it's nice to have options and nice to have control as a nerd and Arc really gives you both. Sure. It's, it's it's really cool. I like the idea of being able to just use some of the storage space that is usually just empty that you're paying for or that you've got as part of an account. So it's really cool for that. Arc is super easy to use, but if you do have any questions, you can feel free to email the fine folks at Arc and they have information on their website. They are really, really fanatical. They love support. That is something that they care about very deeply and they really want to make sure that they're helping you make sure that all of your data is safe and sound. Visit arcbackup.com slash connected. Remember that's ARQ backup.com to try it free and to learn more thank you so much to arc for their support of this show right so jack dorsey is back at twitter um jack uh, is back jack is back in the biggest surprise of the year um nobody expected this to happen uh but i i mean i'm i'm pretty positive on the whole thing but um i I think it's good to have him back i like the steve jobs parallel story quite a lot just because it's you know it's romantic in its own little way um but i'm interested to see what you guys feel now federico you i think of all of us have been the most uh likely to praise twitter as a company and and the decisions that they make and the product itself Mm. um so i'm interested in what you think about uh jack dorsey's return I think it's a good move, you know. Uh, clearly, many people say he's a changed man from the last time. Uh, he's been able to mature, to know how to grow a company, how to manage people, how to delegate, which is an essential, uh, you know, uh, trait for someone who needs to lead two companies, both Twitter and Square. Um, the last three months, uh, Twitter has seemed to be faster in terms of releasing updates, even if when they're not great updates, you know, like the iPad app, uh, it's mostly still a joke, but at least they're moving quickly. And now that he's, you know, returned as CEO, uh, they're also moving with these new moments feature that they launched today. It's been in the works for the past few months. I think he knows, Jack knows Twitter, obviously. There's some kind of romanticism, as you say, not just about Steve Jobs, but as a, as a co-founder, uh, you know, as a founder returning to a company uh, many years later, I feel like it's the right move at the right time. Is a most importantly, is a man, is someone who knows Twitter, who uses Twitter. Is uh, always every day tweeting about you know all kinds of stuff, not just company announcements. It doesn't matter uh, what he's tw- tweeting about; he's actually doing it, right? Like you know. Yeah, he's on Twitter. Is he knows the product. Um, he has a he has a I think he has a great presence in terms of public image, you know? And my only doubt is whether he will be able to, you know, do Twitter in the morning and square in the afternoon, because that seems to be the plan according to a recode story. Um but I'm positive. I'm uh, I think yeah. it's the right move. My feeling about that is um he will be able to just I, I expect that he will not be working on the day to day aspects at either companies. And we'll be providing like an overview or, you know, just like guidance as to maybe like, you know, there's the last person to make a decision about an important thing, like that kind of role. Um, I see if he can do that, then that makes way more sense to me um, and seems like a very possible thing to do. But we'll see. Stephen, what do you think about all of this? 
No, uh, I'm excited. You know, from from everything that has been reported, he to Federica's point has evolved and matured, and and you know, Square is is a really interesting company that is doing really, um, I think at least really interesting things, and and that you know, I do think there there might be a time and intention issue between the the two companies, but I, I think that you can look at Square and see what Jack is capable of as a CEO that, that, you know, they're going to IPO pretty soon. It seems to be the, the, the story and, you know, the technology is great. It's easy to use. They have a lot of, I mean, for a payment system platform, they have fans like that. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, payments platforms are the most, um, exciting. Yeah. The, not the most exciting thing in the world, but, but squared has done a good job at, at everything from branding to the technology to adoption. And, I think if if Jack can wade through the muck that seems to be at Twitter right now, there seems to be a lot of just confusion and unclear direction. And I, I think if he can if he can get through that and he can share his vision for what the product should be, then then I think that that'll be good. I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, you know, I don't think that this is going to be um, a slam dunk. You know, thinking about when Steve Jobs came back. Jobs canceled uh, almost all of their products and then came out with a very simple idea of the grid of four. You're going to have a uh, professional and consumer desktop and notebook. They just made four Macs for a really long time. It wasn't until the Cube where they added a fifth machine. And uh, Twitter's not Apple, right? Um, you can't can't really compare them directly, but the idea that Jobs came in and sort of cleared the table and like, look, what are we good at? What can we do? How can we simplify? Those are all questions that Jack should be asking Twitter because 90s Apple and t- Twitter of today are similar in some ways. You know, the, there there are some details that are the same, that it's the products are confusing. Um, onboarding is difficult. They financially are not, you know, in super great shape. I don't know what they're trading at today, but they're still well below IPO level, I believe. So... Uh, can he do it? I think he can, but I, I do think this is going to be a long road. This is not going to be a a three month turnaround for Twitter. And um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited about it. I have I have faith that he can do it, um, and, I, and I hope that he can because I I love Twitter like you guys do, right? Like, can you? I can't even imagine the internet or like my life without Twitter at this point. Like it is, it is so critical to everything that I do professionally and a lot of things I do personally. Like it going away is really scary, and 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 you know I, I don't think Twitter's in danger of that right now, but I think Jack can can turn it around and and make it a better product than it is today, and and that would be uh, more than welcome. Something that Jason says about this that I quite like, and because me and him have spoken about this a bunch of times on Upgrade, is it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make it a better product for us, right? But but I'm pretty much okay with that. Like Twitter could be harder in the future to use for people that are using third party apps. But mm-hmm. more importantly, I don't want it to go away. Right. That that I care yeah. about that more than the app that I use. Because worst case scenario, I can live with a Twitter app if it means yeah. that Twitter sticks around. Sure. I found it interesting that he said he wanna he wants to make Twitter more useful for existing users and easier for new ones. Uh, I don't know if I'm if I'm reading too much into that. 
what does it mean that they want to make it more useful? Because when I see useful and existing users or power users, that usually means, you know, the more nerds. advanced features, the nerds, the API. It'll be interesting because I remember there was another, uh, maybe on Recode, another story a few, a few weeks ago about Jack wanting to uh, keep the API and actually bring new features to Twitter, uh, third-party Twitter clients. That would be interesting to see what kind of approach they want to take with with these other apps. Basically, on iOS, there's Twitterific and Tweetbot left of all the major players. You know, it used to be many, many Twitter clients a few years ago. Now it's mostly down to two of them, maybe four if you want to count some of the minor ones, or at least the ones with a smaller user base. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what it, what it means by more useful and, you know, existing users. Uh, do you mean existing in the way that they already know Twitter or that maybe they exist in other apps? That's my question. I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see for sure. But hey, it's time. It's time. And uh, I'm pleased that he's back because I think that it just gives it gives it more of that story as well that I think Twitter as a company need right now, yeah. uh, which I think which I think is really fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Twitter is so as a as a service is so iconic, and sometimes I look at Twitter as a service and how I use it, and Twitter as a company, and it's hard to imagine that they're one and the same, right? That, um, you know, you look at Apple as a company, and you look at Apple as a product, and very clearly they're the same thing, right? That that Apple uh, generates the products it does because Apple is the way that it is, and the Twitter that we know as nerds is not mainstream Twitter. And, you know, there's there's that, that stress there, right, between users like us and the company and then the service at large. And that's – I can't imagine that being super high up on, on the to-do list for Jack of taking care of users like us. But I, I do think that there is room for alignment between the Twitter, the company, and Twitter, the service, and, and that's maybe a little disjointed right now. Definitely. All right, should we do some uh we've been doing collecting some connected Q and A um mm-hmm. over the last day or so. So how do you do you wanna do this round robin style? Yes. We, yeah, okay. Round robin yes. style. Uh so I will begin and then should we go me, Federico, Steven? Let's Perfect. go from based on la- latitude. So let's go from uh east to west. So what's what's more to the east? Italy, London, or Rome? Depends where you... you're starting from. <laughs> <Let's> do... <laughs> what's the uh, eastest place? This is unconnected. All right, you, you, you're first then. So let's go Federico, yeah, Steve, sure. and me, because then we'll go around the globe that way. So Federico, would you like to take the question from Ken? Yes. So Ken asks, do you think an iPad 3 is coming? Uh, upgrade my Air to a new iPad Air 2 now or hold off. Uh, I want split screen badly. And, man, I don't know. We we haven't heard anything about an iPad Air 3. And usually about, you know, when it comes to iPads and new Apple devices, if Mark Gurman doesn't say anything about, you know, new devices coming soon, that's usually a sign that you should purchase an iPad or an iPad or two now. At least what's current now. If you really want split screen badly, I would say the iPad Air two is an excellent iPad. It's still gonna be powerful enough next year. You can use split view until you know the next generation of iPads. 
And if you really don't want an iPad Pro, but you want to keep the 10-inch iPad and you want to try split view, I would say buy an iPad Air 2 now. That's my answer. I'm going to go for one of my theories. Mm. So I, I think now that all iPads will, will begin to go on a every two-year cycle, with the exception of the iPad Pro for the first and second uh, version. So I believe that the iPad Pro will get a version this year and a version next year, and then it will join the Mini and the Air for every two years. There's just not enough to keep putting in them, um, yeah. and they don't sell as well as the iPhones, so they may as well pack a bunch of power into them like they've just done to the Mini, and then just you know do it every two years. That That's my feeling on it. I, I don't think they need to be doing iPads every year if the sales currently are not saying that that makes any sense. No, I I agree. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? That they could be going to a more um, computer like like release cycle. And I think I think that's fine. I mean, the um, you know I've got the the Air two, and, and all three of us do, and it's it's such a good machine. Like if you're on an older iPad, there's no reason not to upgrade in, in my mind to uh to an Air two at this point. It really is a a good a good device, and I think you know iPads age really well. I mean, you can look at the the long tail of sales that. Where people are running around with iPad twos and threes still, and they're fine on iOS nine, uh, more or less. And so I think I think it's totally cool that Apple goes to a slower, slower cycle where you know one year the Mini gets updated, one year the Air gets updated. When you know, no stress for me on on that sort of thing. So I think I think Ken, I think if you if you want to upgrade uh, for split screen and stuff, that the Air two is a a good choice for you. I agree. So uh, I'm next. Um, you have the only name that is impossible to pronounce. Go on, Stephen. Gayak. Gayak. I don't. It was their username. It wasn't. They didn't have uh, a, a name on their Twitter profile. So sounds yeah. like kayak. I was gonna I, go with Jack. Jack. It's G I A C K for the out there that can't see our document. Jack. That's how you say Jack if you're from Mississippi. Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mississippi burn. I promise you, at least one listener did not hear any difference between the way I mockingly said it and the way I actually said it. So <laughs> just leave that there. Does iOS 9 search not support looking up definitions in the dictionary? Know of any app that lets you do that? Uh, Federico, do you want to answer this one? You're the iOS 9 expert. Mm, I don't think it supports looking up dictionary entries. Yeah, I, I was never able to do that with Spotlight on iOS 9. There's a bunch of apps, dictionary apps on the App Store. Um, there's terminology. Uh, it's an excellent uh, dictionary app. I don't know if it integrates with uh, with Spotlight, but I don't think it does because it means that you should be able to look up any word, any definition in the iOS 9 search page. Um, I don't think it's possible to do that. So I would recommend installing one of the, these dictionary apps and using the search feature inside the app. Uh, it would make sense to be able to have a system-wide dictionary in the Spotlight page. But the problem, I guess, is that for every word, there should be a dictionary entry. And maybe Apple doesn't want to do that. Maybe they will do it eventually as the search page gets more stable or faster. I don't know. You're not, you cannot do this right now. I mean, you can def- I think you should definitely get terminology but another like real quick way to do it would be to open an app like notes or messages, type a word, double tap and click the define button. 
Like, yeah, but he wants to be able to just. Like, I know um, to search it easy. Like, there isn't there isn't yeah. an easy way to define a word, but it is possible to define a word in iOS. Um, or it could it could be like it could be like on the Mac with Alfred. Uh, you I have a shortcut f- uh, for the definitions, which is def. So I type like D E F. Uh, I don't know uh, what's a what's a word that I like. Um, I don't know coffee. So I type D E F coffee, and it gives me a, a preview snippet in the Alfred little box with the definition. So I don't even have to open the dictionary app or to open an app and then click define. You know. That would be cool on iOS to kind of to have a shortcut for definitions and then kind of append the word that you want to define and see a preview with the snippet in the search page. Um, but no. That, there's there's one other case. thing we could try and do that I didn't think of until just now. Mm. What's that? Define connected. Wait, hang on. Define connected. Connect means bring together or into contact so that a real or notional link is established. There you go. So yeah. Siri will do it. Siri can yeah. do it. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, I mean, I think, I think if you know something like terminology supports Spotlight, then I wonder if that was a uh, something that Apple left out just to you know hoping that third party app would would solve because on OS ten you can, well, on my Mac Pro you can force touch a word or you can triple tap. There's a bunch of different things because uh, there's a system dictionary on OS ten and it defines it in a little popover, but um. Yeah, it's a good question. I hadn't really thought about it, but it's a good one. So the next question will come from me then, and that is from Matthew. And Matthew was asked if yesterday, as we were recording, which is the 6th of October 2015, it has been four years since Steve Jobs passed away. Uh, how do you think that Apple has changed for the better or for the worse? Stephen, I can see you have many thoughts. Why don't you begin? <laughs> I, I do. So I, I think that the... The idea that Apple is Steve Jobs' best product and mo- maybe most important product is true. I think that he, especially in later years, through things like Apple University and uh, grooming his his leadership team, all you know, most of which are still in place. I think he was setting up Apple to to stay the course in n- not necessarily in the way that that Jobs made decisions or the way that he thought, but that systematically that that from a an organizational standpoint apple would be would be okay that said i do think the company is different um i think you look you can look at things like uh the way the ipad line is right that there's a lot of old ones in there now to hit a price point that i'm not sure would have happened under jobs i think that that if anything apple has has deviated course a little bit into into more logistic type thinking 16 gig phones right um and that jobs was better at making decisions by feel and by thinking about uh the the sort of the real world maybe a little bit more than than cook and and present leadership does you know that's not i I don't i'm not saying that that's good or bad i think it's bad in, in some cases but i think it's different i think that that if you have a scale of what feels right or wrong and then kind of what makes sense on paper, I think maybe they they tilt towards what's better on paper a little bit. And, of course, there are examples of that in Steve Jobs' time as well. The chat room just pointed out that, that uh, two little RAM and devices in a Macs happened under Steve Jobs. So, I mean, there's 
that you know, that's always been going on. Apple's always kind of been on the cheap side sometimes, but I feel like it's a little more so now. Um, I don't think it's out of hand yet, but I do hope that they course correct at some point um, to to make sure they don't fall too far down that hole. So I mean, I said this before, and and I still feel the same that that I believe that as a company, um, Apple is better under Tim. Like as an organization and what an organization's effect can be on the world, um, because Tim is way more, um, he seems way more altruistic, at least on the outside and with what the company is able to do. And it seems like he is more focused on making an effect on the world from what he as a person can do. Um, then maybe Steve was. Steve seemed to funnel all of that into the products that he created and changed the world that way. Where Tim is, you know, he he makes political stands in some ways, and he mm-hmm. made, you know, when he came out as being uh, gay and he wrote that great post about it, like those sort of things. I think that they are really important from the most powerful man and the most one of the most powerful companies in the world. So uh, I think that Apple as a company is doing a lot of stuff differently that I really, really like. Um, but of course, you know, who doesn't miss Steve? Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. I think Apple, maybe more so than other companies, it sort of molds itself to its CEO's agenda and personality even, right? So um, Jobs, Apple was maybe more artistic, maybe more a little more uh, free-spirited in some ways, but very secretive. And you look at Tim's Apple, and like you said, so much more going on in the way of just doing good in the world, right? They have the uh, employee donation matching program, all this stuff that big corporations should all have, but that's just important to Tim, and so it's it's uh, important to Apple as well. And he, he uses Apple as a weapon in those fights sometimes. And uh, I agree with you. I think it's great. I think it's, um, uh, on my list, the number one best thing that Tim has done from a CEO perspective is is using Apple as a force for good. Uh, it's uh, not something that Jobs is particularly interested in most of the time. I feel like there's a there's a certain empathy about Tim Cook's Apple that I couldn't feel under Steve Jobs. Like when Steve was around, and I and I and I don't just miss Steve. I I um sad because i i know that i i will never get to meet steve even you know from a distance that i miss the fact that it's gone as a person not just as a ceo um but i feel like when steve was around apple was more of a like an artistic piece it was apple was his creation and instead with tim cook he's is still working on Apple as a sort of as a, as an uh, as an as a company, you know, as an idea with the Apple University with all these things to keep the culture intact. But he's also using Apple to make good in the world, and that makes me feel closer to Apple today. You know, when you when you look at you know his letter when he came out as gay, and also all the all the. Uh, the initiatives to uh, like to match employees' donations to uh, you know a research kit, health kit, and the Apple Watch and the fitness aspect. It makes it feel more. I don't want to say human because you know Steve was a person too, but I see Apple as having a, a, a an impact on society on on 
many other things in our lives, not just an appreciation of the device, of the product, but Apple as an organization that uses the money to improve other aspects of our life and of our planet. And that that's different. And I feel like that's better. Like for me, it is. it, it looks like a better Apple, although I do miss Steve, of course, you know. Yeah, I think that goes about saying for all of us, but there is a difference there that that is interesting um, to see for sure. All right, shall we uh, take a break and then move on? Yeah. Um, uh, this is so. I want to uh, take a break now to tell you about something that's quite difficult, but this is a, a simple ad for that difficult thing, which is working for yourself. Um, paying taxes and all of that stuff can be a nightmare, and trying to understand how to get all the paperwork and tax stuff in place is one of the least things that you want to have to deal with when you're starting your own business. I've been through this, Stephen's been through this, Federico's been through this. When you're trying to just make the thing that you want to make, it can be really difficult to have to think about tax, and it's way too easy to pay too much in taxes. So maybe you're a freelancer, or you have dreams of being an independent content creator, or you're just tired of trying to deal with all of the nonsense around taxation stuff like that. This message is for you if you fall into that group. Andrew Carroll is a CPA of a company called NCH Tax and Wealth. He's a big fan of all of the relay shows and is actually our accountant. So (laughs) we trust him. Uh, And he has something that uh, he wanted us to talk about. And that's why he's bought some sponsorships on our shows. He's written a new ebook called The Freelancer's Guide to Escaping Taxes. It's all about how to understand what you need to do and to make sure that you're being efficient and effective when it comes to dealing with taxes and getting things in place to properly avoid issues that could happen down the line. And also to pay as little as you need to pay, right? So just to make sure that you're being very efficient with this stuff. Andrew believes that business should be simple so he has made this guy this guide free for people who want to learn how to make their freelance tax life a little bit easier in a nutshell it breaks down how to simply and legally reduce your taxes with step-by-step instructions that anyone can follow andrew can also help with almost anything related to business taxes or investments Uh, but if you're a freelancer you need to grab this free guide right now at cpaandrew.com slash relay that's cpaandrew.com slash relay there'll be a link in the show notes and andrew is cpa andrew on twitter so thank you so much to our lovely accountant for sponsoring this week's episode so uh federico do you want to carry on yes so the next question is actually directed at me uh from michael i guess it's yeah we'll like go michael michael yeah. uh what does federico think of the ipad mini 4 hmm i don't know what to think i guess it's a if you like the ipad mini it's a it's a good update uh it's faster it's got a much better screen. Um, it allows for more multitasking features on iOS 9. It really depends on whether you want to try the new multitasking stuff, so slide over and split view on a bigger iPad, like the iPad Air 2 and the upcoming iPad Pro, or if you want the same features on a smaller iPad. So keep in mind, Mikel, that with such a small screen, using two apps at the same time can feel really cramped, I guess. Uh, there's simply not enough room to show uh, two apps. I mean, you can show two apps. You can use two apps at the same time. But it won't be as comfortable or, you know, as easy maybe to interact with them as it would be on an iPad Air 2 on, or an iPad Pro. Also, keep in mind that on the iPad Air 2, when you use two apps in compact mode, you can already tell that you're using two small apps. And that's on a 10-inch device. 
I would suggest if you're looking at the iPad mini 4 because of the improved hardware and the new iOS 9 features, I would say go to an Apple store, check it out you know, with the split view with slide over, see how it feels to use two apps at the same time on an iPad mini. And try to do the same on an iPad Air 2 and see what you find more not useful because you may not be able to judge the utility of that during an Apple Store demo, but just, you know, the physical aspect of using two apps, tapping interface elements on an iPad mini 4. If you love the iPad mini, get the iPad mini 4 because it's much better. Color reproduction on the screen is better than the iPad mini 3. It's got better hardware. If you really need or like an iPad mini, go with the iPad mini 4. But if it's for if it's a software-related question, I would say try it first on you know every iPad. Maybe just wait a month, try it on the iPad Pro too. But if you if you're the type of guy who likes an iPad Mini, maybe you don't want to use an iPad Pro. But still, try multitasking on the iPad Mini 4 and the iPad Air 2 and see how it feels to use it. That that would be my recommendation. So I'm breaking the round robin format because I had some questions that I wanted to ask you. <laughs> okay. So uh, so uh, Mike wrote in to say, uh, so Federico, if the iPad Pro... Oh, right, this is you, Mike, this is me. you. This is me. Oh, okay. This is why I'm breaking the format. I have asked the question. Oh. Uh, if the iPad Pro ends up being amazing for you and you love it, would you consider a two iPad system? <laughs> now, I know this sounds crazy, right? But like I imagine one for power, the iPad Pro, and one for portability, like how I have a Mac at home and a laptop and iPad that I take to somewhere else. That I don't think that sounds crazy when you put it in those terms. So would you so consider you, something like this? You would say business at the desk and party on the go. Exactly. That's your idea. Yeah, mm. that's my idea. And and uh, Mike, no, I wouldn't do that because uh, I know that I said that I use the iPad, you know, when I walk around the house, uh, when I'm in my car, when I'm waiting somewhere for, you know, longer than an hour. Um, but I wouldn't use two iPads, Mike. Um, yeah, but the, the feeling is like, say you get the iPad Pro and you're like, this is incredible. This is the perfect iPad experience. I have two apps side by side. I have this great keyboard. But then you're like, ah, oh, this is too big to use in the car. But I really love this fantastic device with the OS that I love at home. Do you see where I'm going with it? Like, so then yeah, you're, yeah, you're no. torn, and then I, so the, the logical situation this. then is to get an iPad Mini Four and an iPad Pro, so then you get the best of both worlds. I thought about this, Mike, uh, but two factors to two two factors to consider. My girlfriend would kill me if I had to use two iPads to buy two iPads. Because at that point, I would go with the iPad Pro and the iPad Mini 4, which means two iPads to buy, and also a new iPhone. From a family perspective, it's not a wise decision, Mike. I would feel <laughs> bad about buying all this stuff. And I would also look stupid. I'm the guy with two iPads, you know? But the main, the main problem, Mike, is that if I'm going with the iPad Pro, I'm going all in with the iPad Pro. I'm going to use it every time. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand the... It's not that I don't understand. I couldn't do with the CGP strategy of having multiple iPads. I just would go crazy with, you know, having the same notification settings on both iPads, having the same workflows, having the same icons in the same place. 
my 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 mind couldn't bear two iPads, you know, because I would have I'm I'm I try I obsess over consistency when it comes to wallpapers, icons, uh, the share sheet with the same menus in the same place, you know. So two iPads would be a problem for that. But the the main thing is. I, if I buy an iPad Pro, it's because I feel like I can use it anywhere. And I want to have that, because I wouldn't want to be in a position where I wish I was at home with my iPad Pro, because the multitasking is so much better on the iPad Pro, but now I'm in the car, and I'm kind of using the iPad Mini 4, but I'm like, oh, I really don't want to use this iPad, I wish I had the iPad Pro. And at that point, if the experience of iOS 9 is so much better on the Pro, I'm just going to use the Pro all the time, and if I need the portability, I do what I do now. In those cases, I have a 6 Plus. I, 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 I cannot wait for the iPad Pro to come out. And see so, what I do. So we can see what you actually end up doing. <laughs> Not that I think you won't do what you're saying, but I'm I'm really kind of looking forward to, not in a mean way, like the crisis you're going to have as to how you continue. Because this is a very, very different device. And it has a lot of good things, but potentially some bad things. So I'm very interested. I, I'm more excited for, for this device to come out for you to try it than I am for me to try it. <laughs> But what I have I, to say, I'm... I have to say that I uh, put together like this Q and A and some of the show notes stuff today on my iPad, which I usually don't do that. And being able to use the slide over for Twitter and just copying mm-hmm. the tweets and then pasting them into the document was very, very nice. I mean, it would have been even better if the Google Docs app had multitasking support, so I didn't have to keep swiping backwards and forwards. Yeah. But that's a discussion for another time. Um, but I really, really did find it a, a pleasurable experience yeah. to sit and do yeah. that this morning. All I'm saying, Mike, is that if I find myself able to use the iPad Pro, it has to be for me an iPad monogamy, you know? I cannot have two iPads. You're just fishing for a title now. No, 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 no. I, mean, I was monogamy. trying to think of, I was trying to think of the best word to describe this one-way relationship. Mm-hmm. And that that's it, you know? I there's there can only be one iPad in my life. Because all my icons, all my apps, all my workflows, all my notifications, and if I like that iPad, I know I want to use it all the time. So just uh, not two iPads, Mike. I cannot do that. You have a lot of Plus, love to give, but just for one iPad. Yes. For a year until you upgrade it. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> well, that's, an, that's another topic. That's uh, another topic. Okay, Stephen, you're up next. Uh, Will asks, what are your thoughts on Nespresso? So this is, uh, in case you didn't uh, catch up, <laughs> Nespresso with the with Nespresso. An yeah, yeah, I know Nespresso. Okay. Um, hmm, this is difficult. So you know when when like it's it's four a.m. and you don't wanna you don't wanna cook, you know, and you yep. just go to a McDonald's because that's the only thing that's open. At and 4 a.m. it's easy and fast, and you don't have to and do it, anything about it. That's the same with Nespresso. You, you. I have many friends who buy Nespresso, um, but I—that's what you do when you cannot do when you cannot make an espresso because maybe you don't want to. It's easier. It's faster. Um, my parents uh, drink Nespresso every day, and I'm ashamed uh, because you know <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> But um, my thoughts. See how how can I give you my thoughts? It's like you bring shame to our family. 
<laughs> um, my thoughts. My thought is, I always have time for a real espresso. But if you find yourself in the position where you know it's so much easier and it's faster and it's convenient, also from a pricing perspective, maybe it's not the end of the world and it's still better than what these American people do. So it's a kind of you know, really think about it. Think if you want to go the Nespresso way. If you really have to, know that at least you will be. Uh, you know, better position to experience a decent or at least sufficient level of caffeine and taste than what these other guys do. Definitely. Sorry, Stephen. Sorry, Mike. No, don't apologize. I'm I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, Nikhil uh, asked, uh, do you guys use screen protectors on your iPhones? I don't. I, I really hate those I things. Don't. Yeah. I don't, and you know, it's it's the same theory that I have every time. Uh, all of these protections that people put on their phones and tablets, they just make them bulky, and then like there's a little. Uh, when you use these screen protectors, there's always that little bubble between the protector and the screen that bothers me immensely every time I look at a friend's iPhone. Um, nah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. It's you know, I don't like it. Stephen, have you? Nope. That's <laughs> gross in every way. It's up to you, Federico. Uh, so from Graham, what kind of recurring reminders uh, do you guys put in Dew? So it's the the, the, the the reminder app or another app. So recurring reminders. Um, want to pay rent each month. Otherwise, my, my landlord is going to kick me out. Yep. Um, you know, pay rent, pay the bills. Uh, actually, I'm, so I've been using to-do, you know, for the past few months because of one simple feature, checklists. I have many repeating checklists that I go through each week. So I have a checklist for uh, MacStories Weekly, our newsletter, uh, because there's a bunch of steps that I need to make sure they're complete, you know, every Friday. I have a checklist for assembling the virtual document, the show that Mike and I do about video games. Um, what else? I, I created uh, checklists during the, uh, the summer for the iOS 9 beta because there were a few things that I wanted to check on each uh, beta seed. That wasn't exactly a repeating one. It was just a checklist that I, that I went through and I repeated that for each beta, but there was no fixed schedule. So the ones that I that I that I make a recurring uh, reminder each week is pay rent, pay the bills, do the virtual document, and prepare MacStories Weekly. That's what I do. See, I really like the look of their app. It's very pretty, but that icon, the to do icon. Yeah, yeah. I try not to be too political about icons. I can't help it though. I look at it and it's it's upsetting to me. I want to try this out though because I like the idea of of that. That uh, there, I use OmniFocus and I love OmniFocus, but there is. I would like to be able to have like recurring checklists for certain things, and I don't want to put all of those actions in OmniFocus because then my forecast yep. view says thirty, which gives me an un, un uh, due amount of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the idea of. So I assume you can set up a checklist and then say this: that you have to show me this checklist every Monday at two o'clock. Yep. 
I'm going to give it a go. And I like that it's everywhere. It's one of those apps. I'm all about systems. They're coming out with a great update for iOS 9. And there's so, like, it can be complex. It's the kind of app with a lot of options and a lot of settings. But once you configure it the way you want it, it can be super powerful. You can do checklists that are complete. When they're done, you can make them uh, recurring checklists and say, I want to repeat this uh, upon completion. So it starts anew, basically. Um, it's so much easier to save links in this app from the extension when you use Safari or other apps. Um, and the, the next update, it's going to have uh, some more shortcuts that I suggested. So I'm really excited about, about to do. Uh, but it can be, you know, it can be a little too much for some people. Still, if you want the, the checklist, Mike, it's your best option on iOS, I think. All right. I'm going to, I'll take a look at it. I'll take a look at it. But I mean, the sort of stuff, I don't really put a lot of uh, recurring reminders in due. I have one in there um, just to remind me uh, to, to turn Audio Hijack on when me and Gray record Cortex because because we don't record live, we don't have another backup. So I want to make sure we have a backup. Um, and then I put things in there kind of on a daily basis, like take out the trash, that kind of stuff. Just like these little reminders that I want to set for myself or time to have lunch because you have to have lunch now because you have to call it two o'clock, that kind of thing. It it may be controversial, but I don't use a separate app for little reminders like that. All that goes into OmniFocus. So I have a project called Home, and that's where things like uh, every Sunday evening take the bin down to the street so the guys come on Monday morning and pick it up. Um, and that's sort of just repetitive stuff. But so much of my work at Relay is repetitive, so I have two Sorry, days a week bro. where... Where I, that's fine. Uh, so like Tuesday and Friday are bank days. So Tuesday and Friday, I have repeating tasks of like, I need to do these four things or, you know, however many it is uh, to complete bank day. And it's, you know, go by the post office, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, so for me, any system that does not offer like good repeating tasks is just not, is just not useful to me. Um, and all that's an focus for me. So it's it's all kind of mixed in together. So I know some people freak out when they hear that, that, you know, little to-dos and your projects should be different. But for me, it's all just kind of in one place, and, and that works well for me. So, but yeah, I, I live by recurring uh, tasks most of the time. Uh, see, I use the OmniFocus forecast view as an indicator of how busy my day is going to be. So seeing, like, 25 on there would make me feel like I will be working for 35 hours today. Yeah. You know, like I can't, you know, it just doesn't, I, I, I like to see like under 10. Right? You're not working 35 hours a day? Not yet. I'm working on it. I'm up to 26. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Zach uh, asks, uh, what do you guys, what have you guys used split view on El Capitan for the most? I like having two Safari windows open side by side uh, is what Zach says what about uh what about you Mike um at the moment I've been using it for a presentation that I'm working on for release notes the most so I've had keynote and notes next to each other um I haven't really used split view too much outside of that I've done it with like uh chrome tabs so like if I'm looking at one spreadsheet and I need another spreadsheet then I might set up two chrome windows and put them next to each other that kind of stuff so it's been pretty cool for that yeah that's pass yeah yeah okay <laughs> that's a good point 
I haven't been doing it uh, a lot, but but my very similar uses uh, as you. So the other day, I needed to reconcile a couple spreadsheets and had them side by side. Um, I I tried using it for some research I was doing for an article where I had Chrome and then I had I had Notes, and um, that's nice. I mean, it's there's still you know a little weirdness if you go to open a new window, it doesn't quite know where to go, and there's some rough edges with the way it's implemented, but. All in all, like I didn't think I'd use it at all. So using it a handful of times is is a win for for the new split view. Um, but you know I'm using it. You know either I mean the smallest Mac display I use now is my 15 inch MacBook Pro. Usually it's hooked up to a 27 inch display on my desk. So it's 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 nice big. But I think if I had a smaller machine, like if I was using my wife's MacBook more, I could see it being a bigger boon on something like that, like like full screen was. But um, yeah, it's 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 helpful under certain circumstances for me but definitely not something i'm using all day every day i wish i could do split screen with um so like safari tabs or chrome tabs on ios yeah i have 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 two instances of the browser open Mm -hmm. yeah you can sort of fake this i'm gonna give you a teacher's tip mike good Uh, if you really need to see two web pages at the same time uh, you could do this. Uh, installed, uh, installed copy feed from the App Store. It's a clipboard manager. What this lets you do is you can uh, copy a link to a web, to a web page, uh, put it into the co- into copy feed. Then you can tap and hold the link, and it gives you an option to open, which brings up Safari View Controller. Then you can open Safari, split the screen, and you have Safari View Controller and Safari next to each other in split view. That's quite beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a great teacher tip. You're welcome, Mike. Good work. I like that a lot. All right, final question. Uh, this is directed to you, Federico. What is the perfect pasta to sauce ratio? Asks Brian. <laughs> um I wouldn't say perfect. I'll tell you what I do, Brian. I so I'm sorry, I'm You cannot perfect art and love, huh? The, the, you know as Noel Gallagher used to say True perfection has to be imperfect. Um, so I'll tell you what I do, and I apologize to American listeners who may not be used to to these units. What I do is, each hundred grams of pasta, a hundred milliliters of sauce. And let me specify here: it depends on the sauce, right? Um, I buy one of one of those. Um, I don't know how you call it in America. Can I use Italian here? Yes, please. So it's polpa di pomodoro. Uh, it's tomato, not, you know, the one that is mostly liquid. There's like little pieces of tomato and it's like, man, I really don't know how to call this in, in English. It's uh, like it's like a tomato sauce with pieces of tomato in it. Yeah. Right? Like they're not, it's not all completely blended. Yeah, it's the good one. It's you know the the good quality, not yeah. the, the, the just. It looks like ketchup. It doesn't look like ketchup. It's little pieces, and it's not completely liquid and blended. So when I have to prepare sauce that has you know tomato in it, I try to do this ratio. So a hundred milliliters for a hundred grams. Usually in my house, a single portion for one person is a hundred grams at least. So what Sylvia and I do is 200 grams for two people, so 200 grams of pasta, and a single can of polpa, which is two 
around 200 milliliters. Do you the problem the pasta? Is, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I it, you know, each pasta has a different, you know, each piece has a different weight. So mm-hmm. I can, I haven't learned how to do it, you know, just by, by okay. looking at it. Yeah. yeah. I need to weigh it with a, we have a, a, a scale with an LCD display. Um, so I try to use this ratio, but it's mostly, and this sounds totally idealistic, you it has to feel good when you you know when when it's in the in the in the frying pan within when it's in when you're cooking the sauce it has to look it has to feel like the right amount of sauce for the type of pasta that you're cooking and it really depends on also on taste do you like your pasta to have a lot of sauce do you like it to be not dry but still, that it's not too much. I like a drier pasta, personally. Yeah, yeah. And it depends on the kind of sauce. There are some sauces that I like, you know, it needs to be a lot of sauce and less pasta. Other types of, you know, pasta that I like to have, like a lot of penete, for example, and not as much sauce. So there's no perfect ratio. That's what I was trying to say. When it comes to the, the polpa, that's what I try to do. Uh, but it really depends on what you're trying to what you're trying to cook. One one just one one thing about cooking pasta for American and European listeners: please don't overcook your pasta. Whatever's on the box for cooking time, do two minutes less. Al dente was yes. I've forgotten it again. Yes, How molto al dente. Molto al dente. There we so go. So if it says dente ten minutes, much. try to do eight, and then this is another common mistake. Don't just Take the pasta and just drip the sauce on it in the while on the plate. Take the pasta, put it in the same pan of the sauce, and give it another minute to mix it all together. To, you know, to mix the pasta with the sauce, then put it in the plate. So you will enjoy some really mixed, you know, pasta and sauce really together, uh, al dente. So it's not, you know, it's not soft. It's not, nobody likes soft pasta. Uh, you're supposed to eat pasta, not a marshmallow, uh, and that's what that's what I do. Stephen, as the gluten-free member of the group, um, what is your opinion on this? I miss raw pasta. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and on that note, uh, I want to take a moment to thank everybody for listening this week. Thanks to Linda. Ark and uh, Andrew at NCH for sponsoring this week's episode. Thank you all for listening. As I said, if you want to catch us online, there's a few places you can do that. You can go to maxstories.net for Federico's writing. You can go to fivetopixels.net for Stevens, and you can follow us all on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at ISMH, and the show is at underscore connected F-M. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.